Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. When the Lord showed me uh, that Acts was where I was supposed to dive in with this study, um, I honestly thought we would get further. Um, and this week, you know, I, I really... Anybody else out there have a hard time letting things go? <laughs> Let it go. Yeah, uh, that's me. And this week, the Lord just allowed me to let that go. Two chapters. Come on. <laughs> and so, uh, really, I was praying about it, and he just was so clear in that this study for really all of us, I wouldn't just say some of you, but what I feel like the Lord has intended for all of us in this study is to whet our appetite. And so for some of you that will be having an interest in the Holy Spirit and what he may or may not want for your life, maybe that's brand new. For some of you, it will be having a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's been a minute. And for some of you, it will be maybe reading the other 30-some-odd chapters in Acts for the first time. You're like, that one woman, she only got us through two. It's good, though. So I want to dive into Scripture tonight, but tonight is also part of that unpacking. I really believe, and I'm not just saying this, I believe the Lord has something very specific for you here tonight, if you're open to what he has for you. And if you're not, that's okay. And we love you. We love exactly where you are. We bless you. There's nothing pushy or judgmental about that. Um, I always come back to that statement that I made at the very beginning of the study. One of my favorite teachers said over and over, the Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. It makes me better than me. Right? And there's so much power in understanding that, that there's nothing prideful about it. Because guess what? We didn't earn him. Right? And so tonight I want to start yet again in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> and you can... Look in your notes, or it's going to be on the screens. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came. Now, if you've been here for the duration of the study, that means a little something different to you now, doesn't it? Right? They were all together in one place. Remember that unity, the power of unity. They weren't just in the same location. They were there together, desiring that same promise. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. That will forever be different for you, right? Because now you understand that the Lord was saying, this is me, right? Came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. So they saw flames, right? And where we may have used to think, oh, gosh, that's kind of weird. Now we understand, no, that's another, like, that's, that's the Lord saying, oh, I'm putting my stamp, my logo, my sign, my symbol. Separated and came to rest on each of them. All, everybody say all. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages or tongues. Do you remember why? Because when they went out to witness, right? Remember that? They were speaking in the languages of the people that were around them. That unity is still, still the point, right? Still kingdom building, as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. 
because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, wait, aren't, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native tongue? We shouldn't be understanding this, but, but we do, right? 11, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, in our own languages. Remember, the point is always drawing people to the Lord. Always. Verse 12, amazed and perplexed, say perplexed. They asked one another, what do you mean? I mean, sorry. Come on, Beaver goes to church now. Sorry. Gotta wake him up, John, you know? What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. I want to stop there for a second because I thought about this today when I was writing these notes in um, at my wedding, Pastor JF and, and my wedding, mostly my wedding. Uh, <laughs> um, it was held in Georgia, right, where I grew up. And, you know, it's the South, and it's proper, and I've got a real big redneck family, but they can be proper when they need to be, right? <laughs> and, uh, Pastor JF grew up here, and all of his family now lives in Miami. And most of our friends were from Miami or Nashville, where we met, and all believers and just radical Jesus lovers, but have no sense at all. <laughs> right? I mean, we love to have fun. And I remember at my wedding, and this really doesn't have very much to do with the sermon, but I want to tell you this. <laughs> at my wedding, you got these two worlds colliding, right? You got Miami, ah, you know, and then you have my family, hey, y'all, <laughs> colliding. And at the reception, we didn't serve alcohol or anything like that. But all of Pastor JF and my friends came in being themselves. And everybody thought they were drunk. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is just them. Like, nobody had had any alcohol at all. This is just how they roll, right? And I love that because I got to see even my little cousins for the first time See people have fun loving Jesus. Like more fun than if people are trying to get drunk. And I watched that. And, but what I also watched was like distant relatives get mad because they made assumptions, right, about all of the groomsmen. And it, they had all these assumptions about these guys that are having a blast. I'm talking... I'm not talking about just like, oh, they danced and it was fun. I'm talking Pastor JF and myself in chairs on top of their shoulders like we were straight up like my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> like all out. But they made assumptions. I mean, people like actually left like not really happy. And, you know, I mean, I live in a little small town, like tiny, like still only have three red lights, kind of tiny in the whole county. We'll just say there were a lot of stories that my mama had to refute. Why do I tell you that? Because this is exactly what they were doing about the Holy Spirit. Literally, they were like making assumptions, like thinking that they understood exactly what it was all about and what these guys were doing or not doing. And what we find in this story, exactly like in the story of my wedding, is that when people don't fully understand something, when they're perplexed by something, 
there's usually a few responses. One is they make fun of it. Woo, they're drunk. They're too much wine, right? Or they criticize it. Can you believe them, right? Or they stiff arm it. I ain't going near there. I'm staying away. Woo, uh-uh, uh-uh. Those Wilkerson's, man. Trouble, right? And as I was reading that this week, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said that that's many of us in this room, that there have been assumptions or maybe you just didn't fully understand whether it's experiences or passages of Scripture or someone else's experience. And because of that, maybe you made fun of it. Maybe you criticized it. Or maybe you're just avoiding. Ooh, I don't want that experience. I'm going to avoid all things to do with the Holy Spirit. Because that, ooh, I don't totally understand it. And with that in mind tonight, I want to unpack. So often we talk about Peter's sermon, right? We talk about how Peter was such an epic coward. He was so, um, right? I know that's, that's kind of, that's mean. Um, Peter wasn't very bold <laughs> as Jesus was being crucified, right? And the little girl comes to him and, and he couldn't even, which there's a whole other sermon there because I really believe that Peter was telling the truth. He's like, I don't even know him. I thought I knew and I don't, but we, we talk about Peter's sermon, right, to, on the day of Pentecost and how incredible it was and all the boldness and the power. But really, I don't think Peter would articulate it as a sermon. I think he was just like, hey, y'all, let me tell you what's up. I need to clear the air so you don't think this is that, right? And so I was even looking... Let's look at chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Peter, in this attempt to explain, hey guys, no, 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 this is the Holy Spirit. He says this, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He says, you guys have heard this prophecy. This is it. This is what's been promised. Look, in verse 17, he starts to quote the passages from Joel. He says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say it with me. All people. Young and old all the various shades of our skin, all the genders. Heck, even sometimes blonde women will get to preach. <laughs> Dangerous. <laughs> no, but go and read it tonight. He goes into explaining, hey, there's going to be dreams. There's going to be visions. You, you can't fathom. There's going to be prophecies and, and it's, it's all classes and demographics and it's everyone's involved. And it's available, this power is available to everyone that call on him. Everyone. And that's what Peter's trying to explain to them. He's saying, no, 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 you don't have to be scared. This is, this is totally what you've been wanting. This is what you've been desiring. You just didn't know it would look like this. And guess what? For you, it might not. But this is that. And so Peter goes into that passage and he starts unpacking all of those articulations from prophecy. And I thought even more about what that looks like in our own lives. I thought, anybody Home Alone fans? Do you remember that movie? Kevin! Right. <laughs> Bringing it to even more of a personal level, do you remember the old man 
that had like the, I think it was a trash can. I should have looked this up, Pastor Angie. Uh, trash can and the, the shovel. I remember all the stories that all the other kids had told Kevin about that old man. This is how wild the Holy Spirit speaks to me. I'm like, Lord, how do I unpack this? And I see a picture in my head of that old man. And I'm like, okay. But friends, so many of us treat the Holy Spirit that way. Do you remember how Kevin would just avoid him? He was terrified of him. He would literally like, ah, like run down the street just to get away. And then he'd, you know, look through the window and because of stories that other people had told him. And friends, I just, in my heart of hearts, feel that tonight, that some of you have this fear associated with the Holy Spirit that has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit and everything to do with all of these wild stories that have been conjured up and that literally are not even about him. Do you remember at the end of the movie when he actually has a friendship, a close friendship? with that precious old man? Well, friends, the Holy Spirit is not an old man with a shovel, <laughs> but he desires that close friendship with you, that relationship. And so tonight, just as Peter did, in an effort to dispel all of that confusion, all of that perplexing that we tend to have regarding the Holy Spirit, Tonight, I want to unpack just three elements. Three elements of what a relationship with the Holy Spirit looks like. And I want to unpack them for you because I want to make sure that you are not perplexed. I want you to be amazed by Him, but not perplexed. And not scared of everything He has for you because I promise you want everything he has for you. The first one, it's in your notes and it's on the screens. The first area I want to talk about is conviction. Conviction! Doesn't it kind of even, it comes out that way. Like it just feels like, ah, oh, judgment. Right? Oh. And I think part of that is because of my past, but we'll talk about that in a second. Let's look at John 16. Starting in verse 7, this is Jesus talking, and he says, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. So Jesus is saying, look, you want me to go. I know you think you don't want me to go, but you want me to go because you need what is coming from the Father when I go. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. That's capital H, right? It's talking about the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he, meaning the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Let me tell you why in my head, even to this day, I battle the picture that comes into my head when I hear the word conviction. Because my undergrad was done at a small liberal arts Christian college in Tennessee, in East Tennessee, called Lee University. And I remember the campus only had about 4,000 students total. And I remember in the Ped Mall, which is like the pedestrian mall, almost every day, I kid you not, there was a group of students with a megaphone, many megaphones and signs preaching conviction, okay? Preaching, sorry, what they thought was conviction, condemnation. And I just always remember thinking, bro, this is a Christian college. Like, not that we were all living like Jesus, I can promise you that. But like, don't you want to go somewhere where they don't even know the gospel? Turn or burn, right? Have you seen these people? Like, Mariners games, yes, at the fairgrounds. Like, don't you just want to ride on the big slide? 
And wouldn't that be more fun? Let's, let's do that. Conviction. And really, conviction from the Holy Spirit is not scary. Okay? It's not even, are you ready for it? Judgmental. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is when the Spirit of God simply nudges us to tell us right from wrong. It's part of that promise that we've talked about in this study of the Holy Spirit writing the law of the Lord on our hearts, allowing Him to nudge us to tell. What do you mean, Pastor Ashley, when you say nudge? Friends, the Holy Spirit is the reason you're, you're even here tonight. Like you think, oh, I don't hear him. But you do. And your being here is proof of that. Some of you watching online right now, you think, oh, I don't, I don't even know what that's like. You're watching this right now because he nudged you. And you thought you just stumbled across somebody's weird post on Facebook or YouTube. That's him. That's him touching your heart. And it, it's different for every single one of us, right? It could be drastically different. So it's super hard to articulate. So sometimes we don't even talk about it. But it's that little, that little inner voice, right? This is, mm, no, you don't want to do that. And that's not, that's not God's best for you. That's, no, he's got something better for you. That's, mm, no, that, this, right? And you know what? The Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you right now. And before we leave this meeting, he will continue nudging you about specific things, certain areas, and ask. And that's his conviction. And what the, the world and the enemy loves to twist is that they try to tell you that condemnation is what the Holy Spirit does. And so I want to make sure that tonight you leave here with a clear differentiation between conviction and condemnation because they are not the same thing. They're drastically different. And there's lots of definitions, but I like to articulate it like this. Condemnation, and this is in your notes, and this is one of your blanks. Condemnation only points you to the problem. Look at you. I can't believe you did that. You're doing that again? You know the Lord hasn't even forgiven you for that last time. You are no good. You are da 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 Condemnation, friends. Condemnation is just pointing to the problem. Conviction from the Holy Spirit points you to the answer. Condemnation brings heaps of shame and guilt. Conviction gives you the solution. Salvation. The forgiveness. And some of you need to understand the difference because the enemy's having a heyday in your life. A heyday trying to convince you that it's conviction when it's bringing up past sins you've already been forgiven for. That is not conviction and that's not the Holy Spirit. That's the enemy. Friends, when the Lord forgives you, it is 100%. He doesn't even remember. He makes a choice not to remember. And I had a great, great question that was submitted a couple weeks ago. Fabulous question. That said, if when we are forgiven... If the Lord doesn't remember and he covers our sins completely, why do we need to repent continually? 
And the reason, friends, I believe, this is Pastor Ashley's explanation of it, I believe that even when you're totally forgiven, right, that the Lord desires for your life to emulate him. Because when it does, other people can see him through you even more clearly. We sometimes call it glory. So when there's churchy worship songs, and I think we're going to sing an amazing one tonight, but it uses the word glory. I need for you to understand what that word means. If we're asking the Lord to show us his glory, we are asking him to show us who he is. Lord, we want to see you. We want to see what you're about. We want to see your heart. We want to see what you love. We want to see what you hate. And when scripture talks about us moving from glory to glory, it's talking about allowing the Holy Spirit in our lives to convict us of things so that we can look more like him and more like him and more like him. And I can promise you none of us are there. None of us are there. And that conviction process has everything to do with the Lord desiring great things for our lives, desiring for our lives to point people to him, has nothing to do with our salvation, nothing to do with earning love once we've asked him to forgive us. Does that make sense? That wasn't even in my notes. Come on. Let's look at Romans 8. Scripture says, therefore, there is now, say it out loud. Let's try it again. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's not one part of condemnation that can come against you if you're in Christ Jesus. Why? Because he's your answer. He's your answer. Verse two, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. That, that's so deep. I, I hope that you're starting to grasp that now. That literally because Jesus did what he did for you and for me, The law of the Spirit, remember the law that the Spirit is writing on our hearts, the right and the wrong, the the abundant life that God desires for us, that Spirit has set us free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, meaning We couldn't live out the law. We are weak in our flesh. We couldn't do it. What we were powerless to do, God did by sending his own son to be our sin offering, amen? And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Man, that's a lot of words. And really confusing sounding. It literally means, friends, you and I couldn't do it. We couldn't live up to the law. So he sent Jesus to take on our sin so that we could be free. And then I love this last last part. The righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Meaning, his spirit is inside of us, friends. Inside of us now, nudging us, pricking our hearts, telling us right from wrong. And friends, can I tell you that that's the Holy Spirit's job, not yours? There's a lot of people that don't want anything to do with God and the Holy Spirit. 
Because some of us in this room have made it our mission to convict when it's always been the Holy Spirit's job. Now, does that mean we don't preach truth? No, we always preach truth and love, right? But we allow the Holy Spirit to do His convicting, His nudging, in His timing. And friends, what you think someone else needs to be, five steps in front of where they are, you haven't seen the 50 steps that God brought them to in the last year. And so friends, you need to understand why it's not your role. Because you can't possibly know where they've been and what God has for them. And it's part of what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. He is writing that law on our hearts. And part of it is to know right from wrong. And the other part is to literally guide and direct us. And that's the second point I have for you. So the first one was conviction, and the second one is counsel. Counsel. He teaches us. He guides us. He reminds us. Look at John 14. Jesus is talking, and he says in verse 26, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Friends, I, I need for you to understand just how powerful the Holy Spirit is. And, and I was sharing with the ladies in the huddle earlier just how powerful he is on a practical daily basis. I have to tell you that I, I appreciate how some of you really think that I'm very smart. I'm really not. I, I'm not. I'm not just being like humble. Like Pastor Angie can tell you, I am not this articulate in meetings. <laughs> no, here's what I want you to see. Even five years ago, the way the Holy Spirit unpacks scripture in my head is so drastically different even than now. And, and the, the practical counsel of just the simplicity of him highlighting. Has anybody ever had that happen to them? And I'm not talking about a physical highlighter, okay? I'm talking about you'll be reading scripture or looking at something and all of a sudden there's one word or passage or phrase that just pops out to you and it never has before. Right. And that is the Holy Spirit. That's part of him teaching. That's part of him guiding. That's part of that counsel. And the more that you recognize that he does things like that, the more he does them. Right? It's, it's part of that noticing. It's part of him guiding and directing. And I need for you to understand that because for some of you, in two years, you'll look back and go, whoa, that passion for his word. I feel like that came out of nowhere. What's the Holy Spirit? Guiding, directing, teaching. John, 1 John 2, verse 27. Scripture says, this is John, we believe, writing. And he writes, as for you, the anointing you received from the Holy Spirit remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you. Let me stop right there. Because some of y'all want to take that in a way that it is not. I want to I unpack this for a second. This doesn't mean that you're not supposed to learn from people. You have to understand the rabbinic culture of that time. That you weren't even allowed to be a rabbi, a Torah teacher. None of those, none of those positions of a teacher, of a leader, of what we would call church, 
None of those individuals could do that without a rabbi saying, I choose him and I believe that he can be just like me. And so then that rabbi would take that little boy under his wing, teach him, teach him, teach him along with others. And basically there was a weeding out process. So what's John saying here? John is saying the Holy Spirit is that rabbi. And guess what, friends? He's chosen you. And he believes that you can be just like him. And he will take you under his wing. And he will teach you. And he will instruct you and counsel you in ways that you can't even fathom. He is that. And that, that's exactly what he's unpacking here. Now, I want to read it again with that understanding. As for you, the anointing you received from the Holy Spirit remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, it's not fake, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And there's that focus of making sure that you don't stray from that relationship, that you're cultivating that relationship so that he can continue to pour into you in ways that you can't even fathom. The teaching is also guiding. So it's counseling, it's teaching, it's showing us things, but it's also guiding. John 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. As the band comes back, I've told this story so many times, but it's such a great example of even just the simple guiding that the Holy Spirit does that some of you have probably experienced and didn't even recognize that it was him. My husband and I, Pastor JF and I, lived in Los Angeles, and Israel was, I think she was about one, one and a half then, and we had come to Tacoma for Pastor JF's grandfather's funeral. And so we'd, it was during the winter, so the weather was gnarly. And it wouldn't have even mattered because I was coming from Los Angeles, so it would have always felt gnarly, <laughs> right? Coming from sunny L.A. And had lived in Miami before that. And I remember after the funeral, and it was kind of a whirlwind, and we got on the plane, and I'm holding Izzy, and tears start flowing down my face. And he's like, what is wrong? And in real life, he actually said, oh, dear, are you pregnant? <laughs> no, thanks, love. <laughs> tears flowing down my face. We're taking off from SeaTac to fly into Burbank, Okay. Ain't no reason to cry. Sunny. <laughs> nice weather. Right? And I remember just tears flowing and my heart was just, oh, so grieved. And he's like, what is going on? And I said, babe, I don't know how to explain it. I feel like I'm leaving home. He said, you have lost your mind. <laughs> he said, baby, I love the Pacific Northwest, but you could never live there. I promise you, you don't want to go, right? And I said, I know that I know that the Holy Spirit's told me that that's home. And you got to understand, friends, I... I love the town that I grew up in, but my entire life, I knew that I wasn't supposed to be rooted there. My parents knew that. All of my other siblings lived near, near there, raising their families there, and I knew that, and my parents here 
from God in a way that they knew. And they raised me in a way that kind of knew I was a little different, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so much grace. And I, I moved over and over, and, and it was mostly for academics, right? All my academic pursuits and my research and stuff, and over and over and over. And for me, the comfort comes in moving, like in something new. Like some people are like, oh my gosh, I can't. And I'm like, no, I need it. And then they're like, by yourself in a city? And I'm like, I'm an introvert. That's a dream. Like, ah, right? And here, here's where the Lord said, nope, this is it. This is where your roots are going to be. This is where I'm calling you. My husband didn't believe it. Until a solid year, I was still talking about it. And then we get a call with an opportunity that the Lord's just opening up, right? And friends, that's the way the Holy Spirit works. Sometimes it's that heart cry and it maybe doesn't make sense on paper, right? You're like, oh, the Holy Spirit, you know, I, oh, it's... And it, here's what, when you really know it's the Lord... When you don't want it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, and you're like, uh, no, um, rains a lot, costs like $2,000 for me to visit my family. I'm close to my family. I'm like, oh, this is no, no. I, raising babies. I, I grew up with 48 first cousins within two miles, friends. I didn't want to raise my baby by myself, right? No, Lord, this doesn't make sense. It's, yeah, that's what I want. And we had opportunities other places near our families. Man, we just knew. It's that, that guiding. And for some of you, you'll begin to experience that fresh and new after tonight. Because you'll start to look for Him to guide you. You'll start to cultivate that relationship and you'll start to realize that he's been speaking to you for some time. But you just, you didn't know it was him, right? Talk about conviction. Talk about his counsel. And lastly, as I close, his closeness. His closeness. Friends, it's so important for us to understand that the Holy Spirit is not an it. You can talk about His power and say it, meaning His power, but the Holy Spirit is a person. He is a Him, right? And in that personhood, He desires a close, intimate relationship with you. And you know me, I had like 20 other verses that I had to cut for time tonight, but there's just verse after verse that talks about passionate intimacy with the Holy Spirit, that closeness that He desires with you and with me. And I love because John 14, 16, we read it earlier, but it says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another helper. I want you to underline or circle that. Helper, that He may be with you forever he wants to be with you forever some translations say comforters some say advocate but the Greek word that you have there in your notes parakletos literally means one called alongside to help and that's your fill in the blank, alongside. But I, I want you to, to picture what this looks like. Because in the, in the original language, it literally means, for instance, if you're trying to pick up a log, right? Ugh. And then someone, the one that is called to come and grab the other end of that log and just walk with you and help. And it's that relationship. So often when we read helper, it seems like, oh, well, he'll just show up just when I need him. No, no, no. 
He's always there. He wants to be there with you forever. When we hear advocates, sometimes it seems like, oh, well, maybe if I'm in a court case, he'll show up to argue that with, no, no, no. He's called to be alongside you forever, forever. That's who he is, one called alongside, and he desires that for you. And just like any relationship, you can hurt him. Just like a relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your best friend, your relationship with your child, there's ebb and flow. And that's where that question about, well, why do we repent? That's where that comes in. Because where your sin is still covered, you're still saved, there's a grieving that scripture talks about that can take place between you and the Holy Spirit. It's found in Ephesians 4. And I like the way the New Living Translation says it. Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own. What does that mean? Remember, you're representing me. You are representing who I am. And if you live like this, then that person watching you is going to think I'm that. Doesn't mean that God loves you less. Doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Friends, see the difference there. But look at this. It says, remember he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Your salvation is taken care of. But this is a relationship with the Holy Spirit that He wants you to nurture. Why? Because people are watching your life, friends. And I prayed about a way to express this, but the last verse I want to read to you is found in Acts 13. And it's important because in every relationship, It's never supposed to be a one-time experience. It's continual. And if you look in Acts 13, Scripture says that the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Continually. Why? Because it's a relationship. Why? Because it takes cultivating and nurturing Why? Because He desires to move you from glory to glory to make you look more like Him. Because He desires to to give things through you and in you. And as I was praying about how to express this, something that maybe you wouldn't forget, I thought about us as vessels. So vessels, right? We're all vessels. Now, some of us hold different things. Some of us are vessels that are depleted. Some of us are vessels that have been poured out. Some of us are full and don't want any more of Him. And so I want you to see this, though, because I want you to see the point here. This continual filling... And I don't even know if I can pick this up. Okay, yeah, we're doing pretty good. (laughs) This continual filling that the Lord desires to do, friends, it's not just for you. That's what I want you to see. It's not just for you. Because right now you can't tell looking at this vessel how full it is. You have no idea. How can you tell how full? Only when it starts, what? Overflowing. That's the only way you can tell what's in it. That's the only way you can experience what's in it is when it is overflowing. And so friends, some of you tonight, You need more of the Holy Spirit. Yes, for you, but for everyone around you, friends. 
I need you to get this picture because you thought it was just to experience the power. Friends, the power is for everyone else around you to experience who He is. Why? Through your overflow. Through your overflow. Through the overflow of who He is poured out into you. And so tonight, I want you to understand, number one, that the Holy Spirit does convict. And for some of you, He's even nudging you right now. It's been a long time since you've been hungry for more of Him. And part of it is because you thought, I'm good, I'm full. But you didn't realize it's not just for you. It's not just for you to be content, friends. There's a world around us that literally is dying and going to hell if we believe what we say we believe. And so for some of us, the Holy Spirit is bringing that conviction of, man, when's the last time that you really were burdened for that neighbor that doesn't know the Lord? When's the last time that your heart broke that that friend that you know doesn't know the Lord? When's the last time you interceded for them? Some of you, right now, the Holy Spirit's nudging, going, man, I want to fill you with things that you can't fathom. Let go of that fear. Everything I have for you is good. I promise you want everything He has for you, friends. Full to overflowing. And some of you have allowed yourselves to be so poured out and it's wonderful and it's godly. But tonight you need for him to fill you afresh so that you can overflow again. So that you're not that dry and empty vessel. For the Holy Spirit to fill you, he has so much for you, so much more than you can fathom so much more than you've experienced. Oh yeah, but I've been, oh friends, so much more, so much more. Just if you desire him. Some of you are even thinking that, oh, well, I'll wait until, until he really, no, 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 this is it. This is it. This is him. His invitation has been extended for some time now. It's just what you will do with it. So right now, if you don't know him, if you're not a follower of Jesus, wherever you are right now, with our eyes open, just pray in your own way. Tell him, Lord, I want you. God, I want your forgiveness. I want to not live under condemnation. I want to live in your freedom. I want to live with your infilling of the Holy Spirit constantly so that you can overflow to others around me so that it's not my filth overflowing to people. It's your spirit, Lord. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to guide you. He'll do it. He'll teach you. He'll direct you. He'll counsel you. And there's that closeness. Ask him, Lord, I want to feel your closeness. If you look throughout scriptures, you see a consistency of the Holy Spirit moving and and then individuals begin to extol the Lord. Well, what does that mean? That means magnify the Lord. That means regardless of what your situation is, you get your eyes off of what that is and get your eyes on the Lord. And in your mind, He's already bigger. In your mind, you decide that He is bigger, that you will see the reality that He's so much bigger, so much bigger than any situation that you're walking through, bigger than your fears, bigger than your anxieties, bigger than your even desire. You think you want him. That's nothing compared to how much he wants you. Nothing, friends. And so right now, what I want to encourage you to do is just step out, press in. What does that mean? That's a churchy word. Forgive me for that. Worship him in a new way. I don't know what that looks like for you, friends. In whatever way will actually make him bigger in your head. 
So maybe it's deciding that whatever you need him to be, even before you see it, you're going to profess it. You're going to exclaim, Lord, I know that you're this. I know that you're going to make that way. Lord, you've already done it. And so in my head, I'm going to make a decision right now to worship you as that. I'm going to make a decision to tell everything, even my own emotions. I'm going to make sure they know that you're the way maker, that you are the miracle worker. You are my answer, God, to whatever the situation is. So right now, wherever you are, you worship him as that. Lord, that is exactly our prayer. Lord, we want everything you have for us, God. Every part of it, Lord. We want to know you better. We want to experience you in new ways, Lord. We want you to fill us so that we overflow onto the people around us. Lord, help us to to even change our minds about what the spiritual gifts are. Help us to see it that way, Lord, that it's not about the gift. It's about the overflow. It's about our communities changing. God, it's about our households being changed. God, to look more like you, to bring more of heaven to earth here and now, God. Lord, I ask, God, that you would give us an insatiable hunger. Lord, make us hungry for the things of you again. Most of us are walking around so full, Lord. Make us hungry. We are so okay with life as it is, and Lord, that is not okay. Lord, make us hungry for you, thirsty for you. Lord, to the degree that we want you more than anything else. Lord, let it truly be that, that all we want is all you are. God, make that the truth of our lives, Lord. Help us, God, to crave you, to crave the things of you, not to earn love from you, Lord, but just to experience your love in a deeper way, God in a greater way so that the overflow, Lord, of who you are, of your spirit in our lives makes everything around us look different because everything you touch has to be changed. Everything you touch has to be changed. Dead bones are brought to life, Lord. We just ask for more of you. More of you, God. We thank you, Lord, for what you're beginning to stir, what you're beginning to birth. Lord, that you're not a one-time experience, but God, you are that relationship, that continual filling that we can experience every moment of every single day. So Lord, we ask that you do that. Lord, that we would experience your nudging like never before. God, that we would begin to recognize when you're quickening our hearts and when we see things that pop out on the page of scripture or if we look at someone and we go, oh man, you look like so-and-so, but they don't really look like so-and-so. And and then we start to understand that that's a word of knowledge and, and you're unpacking all of the spiritual gifts. Lord, we just ask for more of you. And Lord, I love that it doesn't have to happen tonight, right? The fullness of who you are. There's no pressure for that to happen in this moment. That we can go home and we can get with you because you are with us all the time. We can have an experience with you there. We can have an experience with you in the car, with the kids screaming in the background. Anybody hear me talking, right? We can have an experience with you in the shower crying when nobody knows because we're trying to look like we're okay. Lord, we can experience you in all of those realms. So Lord, we just thank you, God. 
We thank you for all of the components of the relationship with you that we talked about tonight. Lord, it's just three of them. You're a big God. It was just three. Lord, we thank you that you are continually convicting. Lord, that you're showing us areas of our lives and that we don't have to have it all figured out in one step. Thank you, God, for that. That we are all on a journey. That we're all getting better, right? One step at a time as you reveal things to us. So, Lord, help us to be obedient to those quickenings, those nudges, that you're always pointing us to your love, to the solution, to your forgiveness. Lord, not condemnation. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, every single individual right now that the enemy's been wrecking you over past sins, in Jesus' name, you're going to hear my voice when he reminds you of your past failures. You're going to hear my voice telling you that is not the Lord. That is not from the Lord. That is the enemy and it's a lie from the pit of hell. And if you believe anything about your God, you have to know that when he forgives, it is perfect and it is final and it is eternal and you are free in Jesus' name. Yes, totally free. No guilt. No shame, no, none of it. And the enemy kept not put that over the top of you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.